It's great to be with everyone. Let's go to God in a word of prayer before we dig into the scriptures. Amen? Amen. Father, uh, God, we come before you, God, very humbled by the fact that we're even here in the first place. God, we thank you for the kingdom. We thank you for each other. Father, we know that we need the encouragement of the fellowship. We know we need this opportunity to worship and to take communion. And we pray for this time as we dig into your scriptures that you will speak in a powerful way to our hard hearts. God, please allow us to absorb your scriptures, your word, so that we will be in your favor, Father, as we live out this year of boldness uh, after learning all that we did about grace last year. Father, we thank you. We love you. It's in your son's name. Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, um, it's great to be with everyone. It's been a while, I feel like, since we've all been together uh, here. And um, so many new faces, uh, so many old faces. I'm not talking about your age. Don't so get offended there, Tim. But uh, it is great to be with everyone. Um, you know, we had an incredible campus devotional last Friday. Um, it was amazing. All the college students came together Friday night. Uh, Danny's really done a great job uh, bringing the camaraderie, bringing the unity, and the boldness to the campus ministry. Um, the campus blitz was a huge success. Um, we're actually still in it. It's not over till the quarter's over. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that means, it's just a, a campaign for evangelizing and reaching out to people and getting people out to our Bible talk discussions on campus. And uh, it's been a huge success. There's been a lot of new people, a, a, a lot of new faces, um, and, which means a lot of new opportunities right. for God to move a lot of new hearts. Yeah. Uh, but that's been awesome. Um, you know, it was, it was so great. I mean, uh, we had a few different people preach Friday night. Um, Danny kicked it off, and then Joshua preached the word. And then uh, Jesse preached the word. And then Rich preached the word. It was, it was really awesome. Uh, right before devotional, Courtney and I sat with uh, Anthony and Ty. Nice. And, you know, they have just done an awesome job with the single for the singles just to bring the camaraderie and the unity and ultimately the spirituality uh, to the singles ministry. And so I'm very excited about that. And, you know, God's really blessing their humility and their teachability. I think God's got great plans for the singles ministry here in the church. Um, but, you know, I've spent a lot of time uh, the last couple of weeks just on the college campuses, in particular uh, Shoreline Community College. Joshua and Chelsea yeah, as they now lead the show. And they've really grabbed a hold of it and done a great job. I mean, in the first two Bible talks, they had 21 guests out. Um, and of course, like I said earlier, Joshua just did a, a, an awesome job preaching the word Friday night. Um, I know God's got great plans for the Shoreline ministry. You know, we're only three weeks into the new year. In some ways, it's like, really? Already? Three weeks? In some ways, it's like, wow, we got so far to go. <laughs> and I like to think of the latter. We got so far to go. I mean, God's got so many great plans for 2019 and all the great miracles we've seen. Like, even Ed getting baptized. Yeah. It's just the beginning of what God has planned for our lives, for the church, and all over the globe. Yeah. 
I've got to ask you though, I mean, what kind of goals have you set so far? Come on, bro. Now, goals should be attainable, right? Yeah. I think sometimes people mistake goals for dreams, and so they write their goals down, and, and let's be honest, they're, they're not that probable. And yet, I think it's okay to have dreams, but what kind of goals do you have? What are you going after yeah. personally? Um, you know, perhaps it might be something in your finances or in your marriage or something personally. Um, you know, and, and of course, uh, spiritual goals. Who do you want to become by the end of 2019? And I think that really boils down to who does God want you to become by the end of 2019. The title of our message this morning is based out of a scripture that we're going to read here. So turn over to Joshua chapter 1. But it's not so, the title doesn't really give away the concept that I want to focus on today. The title is actually quite lengthy. I will give you every place where you set your foot. But I don't really want to talk about that particular promise. I mean, it's a great promise. But there's a lot of great promises in the Bible. Ultimately, I really just want to talk this morning to all of you about the power of believing in the promises of God. The power of believing in the promises of God. I think some of us are fooled into thinking that we believe in, you actually don't really believe the way you need to believe. I know I've been caught up in that before. But I want us to be reminded of this promise, because this, this was a promise given to Moses, which, after he passed away, was handed over to Joshua, but really it was for all of God's people as they entered into the promised land after escaping Egypt, spending 40 years in the desert, and crossing the Jordan. And we're not going to get into all the history this morning, but you can read the first five books of the Bible on your own. Amen? Amen. You know, the problem really is not necessarily do we understand what the scriptures say. The scriptures are pretty easy to understand. It's very clear. When you read the Bible, it's very easy to understand. It was written in a way that even a third grader can understand. I can read scriptures to my four-year-old, Brinton, and he even understands some of this stuff. But you know, it's not, it's not so much about understanding as much as it is about believing it and applying it. Yeah. Right? I mean, we can read the Bible till we're blue in the face, but you've got to really learn to apply it and believe it and give it in all your heart and trust it. Because these are the promises of God. I think to our shame that the church is a lot more influenced by the world than we care to admit. I think we've allowed too much materialism and humanism to enter into the church over the years and ultimately into our hearts. And it's, it's caused obstruction to our belief and how we are, are the purity of our heart to accept the word of God the way that we need to. I think to declare the promise that we're going to read here in just a moment, you've got to understand that the Bible stands firm above all your feelings and all your experiences and all of your thoughts. Come on, bro. It is not subjective. It is not subjective. Your faith is not subjective. We need to look at the scriptures, believe in its inherency, and hold firm to the promises of God. With that in mind, let's go to Joshua chapter 1. We'll start our reading in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, the only guy without a father in the Bible. No, I'm just kidding. Moses is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. 
into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the hilltide country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you, and I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You see, this was an objective promise that took an objective faith. Because if people look at this and they allow their feelings or their own personal thoughts to get in the way of this promise, they're not going to fully inherit what God has set for them on the other side of the river. I mean, the Bible says that I will give this place to you and for all of these people that are following you. Now, a lot of historians have tried to break it down and do the math and try to figure out how many Israelites were here. And really, the lowest number that any historian is willing to go to is about 800,000. And some of them go up into the millions. So let's stick with that number. At least 800,000 people are standing behind Joshua. And he gets this word of God saying, you're going to cross the Jordan, oh yeah, with all these people, and you're going to conquer the promised land. Now let's keep in mind some of the challenges that lie before them. First of all, the land that they're entering is already completely conquered by other people. I mean, they don't, they don't have an inch unconquered across the Jordan. Secondly, it's full of military. I mean, these are fighting men, men that know how to fight, that have been in war, that if you go up to fight against them and you don't have a certain skill set, you're in trouble. Thirdly, these cities are fully established, many of them with high walls, up to 23 feet even around Jerusalem. So it's not like they're going to go attack a few camps, take out the tent people. No, they're going into an established countryside full of territory owned by military and other people that know how to fight a war. Now let's remind ourselves of who they are. Well... They've just spent the last 40 years living in the desert, jumping from hut to hut throughout the sand pit of the desert. And now they're coming into this land flowing with milk and honey. It's a beautiful place. But they don't have swords. They don't have skills. Their fathers, who knew some of that stuff, well, they all died in the desert. And so these people would be like a bunch of us who probably never really been to war, don't really know how to fight, going up against a bunch of trained military people to conquer this land. So if you approach this promise with any sort of materialism or humanism or any sort of logic or rationale, you see this as an impossible promise to come true. You allow the world to now seep into your heart and seep into your mind and cause an obstruction to your ability to believe in the promise of God. Wow. And people do this in the church all the time. Yes. All the time. They read a, a promise in the Bible, and they go, yeah, but what about A, B, and C? Well, these are different times, and now we have different things and different challenges, and there's this problem with the geography of the church, and this problem with that. Rather than just reading the Bible and believing the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. You go, yeah, but Joel, when, when you say that, then there's translation problems, and there's this, and there's that. 
you read the Bible and you believe the Bible. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's, it's really just that simple. Yeah, but you don't, you don't get it. I mean, Joel, I'm, t I'm telling you, I've been around a long time. I've got a lot of life experience. I've, I've seen this before. I've seen little businesses try to start up. I've seen, I've seen other companies fail. Um, I've seen in my own family this, my own family that. And I'm telling you, through my experience, that's just not how it works. You read the Bible, Come on, bro. and you believe the Bible. Yeah. And it's really that simple. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's that simple, and it's that true, and it's that trustworthy. Yeah. That you can do that. It, it works. The, would, you, would you believe me if I told you the Bible works? Yeah. 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 I mean, this isn't just a, a, a guidebook we throw around to, uh, to establish you know, churches all over the place to kind of give people a, a source of comfort for two hours Sunday mornings so the rest of the week they don't go haywire. <laughs> the Bible actually works. Yes. Right. And if you obey it, it actually comes true in your own life. Yes. And you go, no, you're, you're, you're saying this because you have to say this. <laughs> I'm telling you, it works. <laughs> you know, when, when people put the Bible into practice, things change. Yes. Their hearts change. Their yes. mindset changes. Yep. Their belief system changes. Yep. Their marriages change. And when people are unwilling to fully believe the Bible and put it into practice, you're only hindering yourself from inheriting this promised land mm -hmm. that God is waiting for you on the other side of the Jordan. Come on, Let's go. The odds were against these people from day one. And really the odds are against the church from day one. I mean, think about it. There are people out there that uh, outnumber us, outperform us, and outwit us. But because we are not without God, we actually have the favor. The odds don't line up, but the odds don't really matter. Right. You know, like when you like things on the internet, I mean, basically the internet stalks you now. Yeah. I mean, you get that vibe, but it's the truth. I mean, it's, it's totally the truth. So you can't really hide anything from any, anybody on the internet. Facebook's like all up in your grill. They know everything about you in like eight generations past. I mean, they know all about you. I mean, you, you look at something for a fraction of a second longer than you anticipated, and now all of a sudden it's all over your newsfeed, it's all over the advertisements. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's facts, okay? You're getting spied on. That's just kind of where the world is at right now. But hey, listen, if you walk in the light and you're a Christian and you got nothing to hide, who cares? Right? That's how I feel. Who cares? You know, why was I saying all that again? So... Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I really forgot where I was going with that. I appreciate your encouragement, but I it's not even in my notes. You know, the thing is, let me figure this out. I am the You know, the, the thing is, the odds are against the church. In every way, there are people out there that are a lot smarter than us. But when you have God, then the Bible is absolutely true. And it doesn't really matter your circumstances or what's going on. You can absolutely believe in the Bible 100%. Absolutely. That just reminded me what I was, where I was going. With. 
a long time ago, and here's how crazy the internet is. I mean, it follows you, right? So a long time ago, I looked up a video uh, about Buster Douglas and, um, and Mike Tyson. Thank you. I was looking this video up, and I, I just I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it, right? I mean, uh, if, if my mind uh, is working properly here, uh, the odds of Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson was about 42 to 1, right? Wow. And no one believed it. I mean, Buster Douglas was just trying to get a paycheck. Everyone believed Mike Tyson was going to knock him out first round right off the bat. It wasn't going to be much of a fight at all. Anyways, I, I watched the fight, and I was interested in the fight, and I kind of forgot about it. And just recently, for the last several weeks, I'm telling you, every day when I open up the ESPN app, I, I read other news things too, but when I open up the ESPN app, it always pops up on my feed because it really wants me to watch this video. And so every day I've been reminded about the fact that Buster Douglas was not going to win against Mike Tyson because he had the odds against him 42 to 1. And I've been thinking lately... About, that's the church. We have no shot at evangelizing the world. We have no shot at staying faithful in this wicked place. We have no shot unless we have God. And that's why we see so many people fail in their faith year after year after year. Churches falling apart. People just going to church on Sundays and their lives falling apart. Their marriages falling apart. Why? Because the odds are against them. And when you don't have God on your side... You're not going to win. You have no chance. Come on, bro. And I think it's important that we understand and we humble out to the fact that without God, all of that uh, logic is 100% accurate. It's accurate. Yeah, they do outnumber us. They do outwit us. Yeah, there's no chance that we can ever do this. But man, I really appreciate Delaney's communion message. Because God uses those situations Mm -hmm. to make us something. God uses those situations to give himself glory. Because when we lack, he gains. Look over in Mark chapter 12. Come on, John. Finish the word, bro. In Mark chapter 12, we see a group of people come to challenge Jesus. And I love those stories in the Bible. I mean, when someone's got the gall to go up and challenge Jesus, you know it's going to get spicy real quick. (laughs) And so here you got a group of Sadducees, and they they really want to corner Jesus. And they want to trap him in his logic and prove to him that the law does not apply to his theories uh, of faith that he's giving to everybody. in his sermons and everything like that. And what we're going to read right here in chapter 12 and verse 18. It says, Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves, his, leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died leaving no child. It was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? And so really what the the story is here, it doesn't really matter if it's true or not, but what they're doing is they're they're taking a a modern day (laughs) applicable story and they're trying to compare it to Old Testament scripture and show Jesus that there's a contradiction in his own faith and his own preaching. And... 
I, I can only imagine them saying this in a sarcastic way. I can only imagine them saying these sort of things with a, with, with a little snarky attitude and a smirk on their face, thinking that this is the moment where they get to trap Jesus. Mm-hmm. Let's see how Jesus replies. Huh? Verse 24, Jesus replied, Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? <laughs> when the dead rise, they'll neither marry nor be given in marriage. They'll be like the angels in heaven. Not about the dead rising. Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? Is he not the God of the dead, but of the living? You are badly mistaken. What happened right here? They tried to use the scriptures and twist them in such a way to trap Jesus into saying what their itching ears wanted to hear. And Jesus was not going to tolerate their lack of belief. And he goes, listen. I'm not going to water this down. You want to call me out publicly? I'm going to call you out publicly. You are in error because you do not know the scriptures and you do not know the power of God. Wow. Now what that tells me is when we don't appropriately apply the Bible to a particular situation, fill in the blank. You are in error. Because number one, you do not know the scriptures. But number two, you do not know the power of God. You know, allowing your own thoughts and feelings and experiences to determine your faith, you think that you're getting away with something. But the reality is you're only hurting yourself. Your logic does not deter God from doing what God's going to do. Your ability to think through something scientifically does not get God out of his way of doing sort of you know things in a certain way. And we've got to make sure that in every situation in life, be it a personal situation, a family situation, a ministry situation, how you think about a particular topic in the world, be it politics or whatever, that you are applying scripture and applying the power of God. That's right. And listen, if you do it time after time, and it doesn't grow, it's got to go. Yeah. And if it helps you pray, it's got to stay. Yeah. And that's going to be the heart of every disciple. Yeah. That you're going to apply the scriptures and apply the power of God. And then if you don't see the results, it's got to go. Yeah. You know, I think even as disciples, you know, we can, we can, we can even be uh, sort of out there in our thinking. Um, you know, when, when we try to bring in these sort of things into the kingdom of God, and use the scriptures out of context. You don't even realize it, but you're doing it. And that really doesn't make you, and this might sound harsh, it doesn't make you anything different than a Sadducee or a Pharisee. And so how important is it that we learn to apply scripture and we learn to apply the power of God? I dare say it's everything. It's everything. It's not about just reading some things and Enjoying the stories and you know watching the Passion of the Christ, which we've been waiting for a sequel for 15 years now, but I'll be patient though. You know, it's it's really about applying the scriptures. And I don't have time to get into all the reasons why people don't want to apply the scriptures. I think that there's a lot of reasoning behind it. But I'll tell you what the Bible does say. It's one of the scariest scriptures in the Bible to me. You know, Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, 
people perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Yeah. Refuse is an option. Yeah. Accepting is an option. In other words, we all have the option yeah. of applying the scriptures and the power of God. That's right, bro. Look over to Ephesians chapter 3. Come on, Joe. Come on. Lay it out, bro. In Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be power, or to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What is the power of God? The power of God is the power of God. And you, 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 might, you might think that I, I'm being cynical when I say that. I'm, I'm, the power of God is something that we don't control. Right. The power of God is what happens when we apply the scriptures. You cannot turn on or turn off the power of God. All you can do is turn on or turn off your application of the scriptures. Nice. And when you decide to turn on the application of the scriptures and believe in the Bible the way it should be believed in, God turns on the power of God. Nice. And it's the only way to see immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. Right. You know what my favorite thing to do is in my pastime? I got a lot of things that I enjoy to do. But my favorite thing to do, probably the thing that brings me more joy than anything else in life, is just imagine how awesome heaven's going to be. And I'll literally sit there for a long time. And I'll just think about heaven. Because of this scripture. Because no matter how awesome I think it's going to be, God says it's going to be Beyond what I can fathom. It's going to be even greater than that. I mean, I really take a lot of joy in the fact that I'm never going to fully understand this. And I take a lot of joy in the fact that I'm never going to fully understand how it all applies to everything in life. Or how awesome heaven's going to be. Or how intense hell is going to be. Right. I enjoy that. I like that God only made my brain this big. I think that I'd feel a lot more insecure if my brain was about this big. I think if I actually did understand everything, I'd be in big trouble. But God's only allowing me to believe this much. And then my conviction to be okay with not fully understanding everything just makes it all the better. But the Bible says you've got to activate the power of God. Why? By imagining, by believing. You've got to apply the scriptures. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul also says this in 2 Corinthians 1 Corinthians, pardon me, chapter 2. I'm a little dyslexic sometimes. Paul goes, let me show you how I show you the power of God. And in chapter 2, and verse 1, it says, When I came to you, brothers, I did, not, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. You know, Paul found this incredible balance here, where he wanted to do his best for God and preach as powerfully as possible, but he wasn't going to be insecure about what he wasn't. Because he realized wherever he was lacking, God was then able to be glorified and show his power through Paul. And at that moment, people would not
not be following Paul, but they would follow the God that Paul, that Paul follows. You guys with me there? Yes. You know, it's really incredible the opportunity that we have to boast in our weaknesses, as he says even later in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I think it's one of the principles that we as Christians really need to get down, and that's just walking in the light. Being totally honest and transparent, getting rid of the guilt, getting rid of the feelings that really hinder your relationship with God and your relationships with each other. And when you do that, when you empty yourself out the way Paul did, and you boast about the Lord, then he can fill you up and get more glory. Amen. Come on, bro. You know, the scriptures, plus the power of God, really can make anything happen. And we don't have time to get into it. But in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, it says that God gives life and he calls things into existence. God takes emptiness and he puts something there. But you know what the Bible also teaches is that God always takes something and he can make it even more, even better, even greater. And so as disciples, you come into the kingdom, you were nothing, now you're something. And then God's process for you, for the rest of your life, is to help you grow in your faith every day. Help you grow in who you are and your character every day. And that's his will for you. It's to get you to become more and more like Jesus as time goes on. You know, a couple years ago, we really wanted to start a campus ministry at the University of Washington, but we had zero students. Okay. And so what we did is we scratched the idea of a singles ministry, and we just took everybody and put them on University of Washington and said, just share your faith, and hopefully we'll meet some people that become Christians. And it was awesome. Now we have eight disciples at the University of Washington. Yo, we went to Shoreline. We had nothing at Shoreline. We're like, man, we gotta fight from the hills. Let's get to the hills. Let's get to Shoreline. And we had no, no students. Now we have five amazing disciples at Shoreline. And like I said, when we moved here, we didn't have a singles ministry because we had put everyone into campus. So we had to start a singles ministry from scratch. And now we got a cranking singles ministry. And I'm really proud of the singles and really how they've taken things to a new level. And I know it'll continue to grow. Yeah. No, the marriage ministry, when we got here, it was us and the Jacksons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love the Jacksons, but those were some sad married devos. <laughs> and you know what? God's really added to our number. Now we have a vibrant marriage ministry. <laughs> Several years ago, we had no church in Sao Paulo. Raul and Linda Moreno were two of the seven on the mission team wow. down to Sao Paulo. Now there are 242 wow. disciples in Sao Paulo. Wow. 80 of them are college students. Wow. It's amazing what God's done. Come on. You know, uh, Ricky and Colleen Chalinor just Woo. got to Manila mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. And today, well, yesterday for us, but today for them, they had a Bring Your Neighbor Day and had 558 people out to church with them. Six wow. baptisms, restoration, daily additions, and only their second week in the ministry there wow. in Manila. You know, we've got to believe, if you move God, he's going to move your ministry. Right. And he'll move your ministry in whatever direction you believe, he's going to move your ministry. Yes. Right. But we've got to believe in God. Come yes. on, Joel. You know, I'm excited because I believe that although we got nothing really, no Bible talk in the, in the South Side of Seattle, we're going to start this South Seattle Bible talk this week, and it's going to become something. Yes. I'm excited because we got 
a, a, a singles ministry now with one giant Bible talk. We're going to split it. And by the end of the year, we're going to have tons of singles Bible talks throughout the city. You know, we got nothing going on in West Seattle. We're going to have a West Seattle Bible talk by the end of the year. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Come on, bro. We're going to plant something in Boise, get things going in Montana. But that's just what God does. That's the God that we serve. He takes nothing and he makes something. And then he takes something and he makes it even better. You know, there are two <laughs> kinds of people in this world. There are those who err because they do not know the scriptures, nor the power of God. Or there are those who are in favor because they know the scriptures and they know the power nice. of God. Yeah. And you get to choose who you want to be. Do you want to know the Bible and know the power of God? Or do you refuse to obey the Bible and therefore you do not know the power of God? I pray that we... All those in favor of God. Yeah. Let's go back to Joshua chapter 1. Come on, bro. I haven't even gotten to my point yet. We ain't ready, bro. We ain't ready, bro. Joshua chapter 1. Verse 5. Okay. Let's go, Joel. God closes out the promise here with another promise. And he says, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Mm. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Mm. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, when Jesus rejoined with his disciples in Galilee after his resurrection, and he was about to ascend up into heaven, he leaves them with the final words in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. He says, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. I mean, is there anything more encouraging than knowing that God is going to be with you? God promises Joshua, I will be with you. Jesus promises us as disciples in, the, in his church that he's going to be with us to the very end of the age. When you dedicate yourself to God and you give yourself to God and you believe in the scriptures, he promises that he will be by your side. I love the fact that he says no one will be able to stand up against you. You know what's so ironic about this is so many of our problems lie with people. Yeah. We go, well, this person that, or my boss this, or this leader that, or this person that. And, and, and we think that there are people in the way of us gaining the promises of God in our life. <laughs> when the reality is, it has nothing to do with people. Yeah. It has everything to do with your faith in God. Yeah. That's why when people come to me in the church and they say, well, Joel, I, I think that there's an issue in the church over here, and there's an issue in the church over here, and you know, I think this leader needs to change, and blah, blah, blah. I always go, how are your quiet times going? True. When was the last time you prayed about this? I mean, have you really spent a significant amount of time just talking to God about this and getting help in your own personal heart? I mean, I can change out the leadership, but that's not going to change your heart. Because God uses these sort of situations to expose who we really are to give us the choice of applying the scriptures or not. You know, I, I really think that we get humanistic in our thinking, and, and, and yeah. you can even think that I leave the church here. I don't leave it. This is Jesus' church. Mm -hmm. I could sit down, and any of you could get up and leave this church if that was Jesus' will. This is his church. Yes. Jesus leads your Bible talk. Yes. This is not about people. Yes. We have to keep this about God. It's all about God. And when God says that no one will stand up against you, I'm telling you, Brothers and sisters, no one is going to stand up against you. Not your teacher, not your boss, not your mom, not your dad, not your Bible talk leader. Not a bad leader in any way. No one will stand up against you. Come on, bro. It's all about your relationship with God. You know, 2019, 
We set re resolutions for ourselves. I set resolutions for myself. Yeah. And I've, I've gotten open about some of the things I want to work on. But you know, the biggest thing is, I just want to be more spiritually minded. Yeah. In other words, the Bible wouldn't say spiritually minded. The Bible would say be in touch with the Spirit, follow the Spirit, be in the works of the Spirit. That's what I want for my personal life. So I made a decision that because I learned all about grace last year, this year, I'm going to put it into effect. And the Bible says grace can be without effect. Wow. But you don't want it to be without effect. Right. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, you don't want grace to be without effect. You want to work even harder because of the grace in you. I want to work hard this year, and I want to walk in the Spirit this year, because I know that's the man that God wants to use. Luke chapter 5, verse 16, inspired me at the end of last year, because it says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And I realized that I don't pray nearly enough. And how can I be a spiritual man of God if I'm not praying as much as I need to pray? And so January 1st of this year, I celebrated 16 years as a Christian, yeah. and I decided that I was going to disappear, and I was just going to go off somewhere, and I, I told my wife two weeks ahead of time, I said, plan on babysitting or whatever you need for this day, because you're not going to see me. And uh, I left, and I went up north to Deception Pass, and, which is about an hour and 25 minutes away, and I just prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. I had things on my heart that I wanted to pray through. I had issues that I had been thinking about for many years um, that I had just kind of brushed under the rug and tried to move on. Um, there were some things in some of my relationships, including my marriage, that I wanted to work through in my heart, and I knew the only solution was going to be to pray. One of the things that I did is I, I wrote a little poem to God, and, and to this moment I haven't shared that poem with anybody except my mom, because she texted me the other day and said, I heard your lesson, I heard you said you have a poem, I'd like to read it. I said, why do you want to read my poem? Said, because we don't talk a whole lot, I don't want to get to know you. On, you know, on that, on that sort of level, I said, well, you're my mom, I'll send you the, the, a picture of the poem, but don't share it with anybody. <laughs> Send it to her, I deleted it off my phone, y'all still not going to find it. <laughs> but you know, it was, it was very powerful, because I had never done this before. To my shame, I had never done this before. In my first 15 years as a Christian, I had never done this before. Where I set myself out to go pray until everything is resolved. Come on, bro. I was willing to stay there till four in the morning, the next day, the next three days. I just wanted to pray until everything was resolved. That's right. I go, you know, the guys in the Bible, they didn't have Bibles. They didn't have, a lot of them, they didn't have Jesus as an example. Abraham walked with God. Enoch walked with God. These, these men were, were really solo disciples in the Old Testament. And they were who? Disciples of God. God, and they didn't even have things to read for the most part. These guys learn how to connect with God through yeah. prayer. And I said, I need to learn to connect with God through prayer. Come on, bro. Yeah. And I, I prayed, and I, I prayed, and I prayed, and my, my Fitbit was, was tracking, I mean, 10,000 steps, 20,000 steps. I mean, I was just, I was all over the place. And I just needed to pray. And by the end of the night, I felt fully resolved. Nice. There was literally nothing in my heart, nothing in my mind that was able to hinder me at that moment. I felt fully resolved about everything. Wow. Perhaps some of you have never had that feeling before. It's the most liberating feeling I've ever had. It felt on, exactly like the moment I came out of the waters of baptism. That moment. That freedom. That's how I felt. Mm. And it was awesome. Yeah. It was special. What's our problem? We limit our prayers. That's right. We put a sound limit on our prayers. Mm. We don't want anyone to hear us. Mm. We put a time limit on our prayers. We got to get somewhere, so we're just going to pray real quick and get the job done. We 
put limits on our dreams that we pray about. We're like, well, God's not going to answer that anyways. So might as well keep my mouth shut. We limit ourselves in our prayers. I want to encourage everybody, and I know Danny said this last Sunday. He said, hey, this week, go somewhere, pray like that. I understand it's not that easy for some of us with our schedules. I had to plan it two weeks in advance. Some of you guys might need to plan it in advance. But I do encourage you, before the first quarter of this year is over, the first three months of 2019 is over, go do one of those prayers. A prayer where you have no time limit, no sound limit, and no dream limit. And you go and you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray until your heart is up, is, is fully connected to God's. When, when your mind is fully clear and you are now ready to be used by God to do anything. Come on, bro. It's a challenge. But man, that's how it should be. For some of us, we get uncomfortable. You're not used to it. But you got to just pray until you get fully resolved. And spouses, I want to encourage you to allow your, your spouse to do this. It's going to be challenging on the schedule. you got to figure out the kids. But allow them to do it as this is how God intended it to be. By the end of that prayer, let there be zero anything that hinders a marriage or your finances or if there's any sort of sin in your life or if there's trouble in your family or trouble in your past. Pray through it. You know, we live in an, in an age where we're hindered by the experience of, of having things quickly in life. That's you know, I think of microwaves or GPS or, you know, the fact that we can just get the internet on our phone and research things right away. I mean, we're in this age where we are so spoiled by technology. Don't get it twisted. It hurts your relationship with God. Yeah. Because you want God to lead you and to make things as clear as the microwave would or the GPS would. And that's just not how God works. That's right. So you got to train yourself to read the Bible and believe the Bible. Yes. You know, the, the reality is, prayers prepare you for God's plan. Yes. Prayers prepare you for God's plan. Mm-hmm. The reality is not everyone can handle a victory from God. Sure. And God doesn't give everybody victory. Because if he gives everybody victory, some of us, we're going to get puffed up and arrogant and think we're awesome. And then push God away and think, I got this. Kind of like riding a bike. You know, when you, when you push a kid on the bike, you take the, the, the little uh, wheels off the sides. They don't even want your help anymore. They're like, I got this. And we do that with God. Yeah. We do that with God. We, we think of God as, as the little wheels on the side. And, and that's not who God is. Right. God wants to be there with you. He's in the, the, the car connected to it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's very important that we understand who God is and what he wants yeah. in our relationship with him. <coughs> God will give us every place we set our foot and our heart if our hearts align with his. You know, it's very important that we get a deep conviction about having these sort of prayers. It was awesome on Wednesday. The brothers got together. We were on Jesse's rooftop over there. And uh, there was a bonfire up there. And so we had all the brothers go to this bonfire. And it was January bonfire. I'd never done that before. It's pretty intense. (laughs) I mean, David had his blankets. I had my winter coat. One of the brothers was making fun of me, and he was still on cold by the end of the But you know, we just went up there and we prayed. And we did this this, uh, activity, which I thought was so moving and so powerful. But we took a scene from the movie Glory from back in the day. I think it was like maybe 1984 or something like that. And we took this scene from Glory where Morgan Freeman and Denzel Washington, these guys are standing around and they start to sing this song. 
And between the choruses, they would get up and they would tell their story and their testimony about how God's changed them. And so we did that, but instead of sharing our testimony, the rest of the guys would hum, and the rest of the, and, and and one guy in particular would pray. And it was awesome. Uh, you know, we, we went around and certain brothers prayed, but I'll never forget Terry's prayer. Because up to that point, everyone was kind of sitting there and, you know, kind of praying and, you know, trying to be focused. When it was Terry's turn, he stood up. All right, Terry. And he closed his eyes. Aww. And he wow. said, Father God, Come on. I pray, Lord. Mm. And he shouted out to God. Yeah. And all the prayers changed. Yeah. <laughs> it was incredible. He took the limit off of his prayer. Oh, and I'm telling you, prayers like that move God, and God will move. Nice. scriptures and activate the power of God and believe right. in the promises that God tells us. I've got some goals for the church in 2019. Come on, bro. I mean, I think it'd be great to grow to 70. Absolutely. I think we got to start some new campus ministries. I think we need some new Bible talks. Yeah. we got to send out some missionaries. And my prayer this year is that as a church, we send out over $100,000 to our missionaries wow. around the world. Wow. And we've got to believe in the promises right. of God. Point number one. 